You know, that was my first big boy job. I moved to Scotland right out of college to try to play professional rugby. The homework is like, okay, you're going to use this framework that we're teaching you to go have these conversations. And it's it's amazing. And like people are like, why was I never taught this? You know, I've got yeah. young 20-somethings coming out and being like, this is like human school. Like, why was I never taught this? Like business is my sport. It's like you're always kind of tinkering and changing up things and seeing what works. And that's what keeps me at least engaged. I think that's a big change. I think a lot more employers are doing This is the Unleash Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to Unleash Your Purpose. I am your host, Ryan Centers, and I'm super excited to have our first ever author on the show. All right. Uh, I have Dan LeMoyne here, a good friend. We've been in a uh, CEO peer group, a business leaders peer group for about a year. A little bit over, I think. Yes. Yep. And it. I'm, I'm going to be honest, when I joined this group, it was it's a bunch of older guys who are business owners, leaders, um, Christian businessmen, and I was the youngest by a decade and a half yep. so i was the young buck and it was like they they thought i was just it was cute and a little project <laughs> for them and then about six months later you showed up and i was like oh, praise the lord somebody cuter <laughs> somebody cuter <laughs> that has a much better mustache <laughs> and is the envy of all of my facial hair for sure thank you for saying that i uh to the chagrin of my wife <laughs> yeah i'm getting too much positive reinforcement on i know this. <laughs> you're like oh tell me more tell me more yes i mean does she? How does she feel about the mustache? She made the mistake of saying it looked cool early on, Ooh. and I'm like, it's staying. Yes. See, the problem with mine is I got to keep it short because my facial hair gets red, and mm. it's not a. It's not. What do you got against look. redheads? <laughs> you know, I, I nothing, <laughs> nothing. No, I. You're gonna get canceled before this thing even <laughs> gets going here. After 12 views, <laughs> you are now canceled. <laughs> So yes, I got to keep it short because it won't look as yeah. stylish. Well, as happy yours. to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So our whole thing is on unleash your purpose, and you are one of the most purpose driven guys I know. You have a great family. Uh, you came over for we looked at Christmas lights together with yeah. your little girl, and it was the best uh, little um, per Christmas parade you've ever seen. Yeah, we've been we've been driving through this neighborhood for years for the Christmas lights. Yeah. Uh, we live in a neighborhood. It's really well known. It's like going back to like feels like you're in the 1950s where every single house is decorated to the nine. But now this time of the year, it takes me like 30 minutes to get into my neighborhood because everyone's pulling over. And at first it's cute. But then I'm like five miles an hour just looking oh, at the like, Christmas me, lights. Yeah, I got to take my kid home from sports. I'm like, I need to get home, you know, yep. so uh, but I love it. So, uh, yeah. So tell me a little bit about, yeah, your your journey, your story. I know that's a little open-ended question. Totally, yeah. You're well, a business guy, mm -hmm. but also a ministry guy, so. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, been out in Arizona since 2017. What brought us out here, we came from the Caribbean, actually. So we were living in the oh, Dominican okay. Republic, um, where my wife and I were, were in full-time ministry. We were uh, running a school called Dulos Discovery School. Okay. Uh, pretty cool model, uh, changing the world down there. Uh, I had actually left the business world in 2012. Um, kind of jaded. I was doing like financial turnarounds with businesses. So like mm. uh, consulting, I guess you could say. Like private uh, equity? Private equity okay. style. So yeah. you, there was businesses that were really struggling. Yep. Your firm would come in, come evaluate in, it. And and help them get into back into better standing with their banks. Okay. So they're in workout at the bank. They're in workout at the bank. There were some opportunities where we would buy the company out of the workout group. Okay. If it got to that point selectively. Um, but for the most part, it was working alongside the business to help them cash flow again, get to a place where they're in healthy. So what are, is your kind of, you're just kind of a consultant or you're coming in kind of operating the business? 
both cleaning house. So most of the time we're working alongside of the, the founders Okay, um, is what we were doing. Um, there were some times where we were like court ordered. We were the restructuring officers or what have you. So mm-hmm. from a, you know, that was my first big boy job. I moved to Scotland right out of college to try to play professional rugby. That didn't work out. No. So that was my first big boy job back in America. And, um, you know, I think it was great. It was a great experience, but I think like many kind of quarter life crisis. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just like, what am I doing? Is this really the next, you know, 30 years of my life or, you know, 40 years of my career. And so mm-hmm. I, um, we ended up moving down to the Dominican Republic to do. Have you noticed a guy, I, I don't know if it's, I feel like I've had a quarter life crisis and now I'm heading to a midlife crisis, I'm sure. But I feel like there's these, these predictable moments where you kind of, your, your brain does this aha or your life does this, like, what the heck am I going to be about? Mm-hmm. Was that kind of it or? Totally. And yeah. You're like, stri- were you striving for just the money and the hustle at that point? Because you're newly married. And I was you newly this radical. And yeah, I was newly married. And I think I'm just, you know, you go from my whole purpose in life is to try to be the best athlete I could to yeah. like now sitting at a desk, looking at financial models and just being like, is this what life is? And just wrestling through like, yeah, what are you about? Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's just your 20s in general. You're like kind of out of school and you're just trying to figure out like, what am I? how am I going to move through this world? What am I going to be about? Um, Decided I actually wanted to be a chiropractor. Got accepted to chiropractic school, was ready to go there, went on the short-term trip to the Dominican and just felt like God was calling us to maybe audible those plans. So we'd already kind of like cast off the bow lines and we're ready to go somewhere. And so it was kind of an easy, if you will, uh, transition. So you declined the offer? Dude, you and I had the same life. I was trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do. And after grad school, I was a counselor doing counseling and I hated it. I'm a, I'm a terrible counselor. I mean, I could be I could be empathetic and caring. But if we got to talk about feelings and emotions for more than an hour, you're like, no, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I cannot listen to you complain anymore. <laughs> so then I was like, I'm going to be a physical therapist. So mm-hmm. I got into PT school up in um, where was it? Denver. Sarah and I got a, a place up there. We got a. Um, a house she got a teaching job and then just didn't feel right yeah and resigned and said what the heck am i do i moved in with my mom because that's always a good choice (laughs) 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 that lasted a few months and then i ended up falling in and getting involved in a church and uh started a ministry career there and i think that was my quarter life crisis too i feel like that's like the 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 takeaway there for anybody who might be listening who's like trying to figure it out is like just start moving forward into something and like mm-hmm. it's probably the first thing you choose isn't going to be the thing that you end up doing but like that forward momentum i think god uses to like help pivot you like totally. into to what he's wanting yeah it's like this uh you're like this big huge boulder and it's the hardest thing is just getting the rock moving mm-hmm. like push 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 mm-hmm. but once it's moving you can kind of shift and change directions but so often i'm like watch these young guys and who are either on my staff or i'm as a uh, professor at a college they like they're not they're just floundering and they're just not doing anything and they're just stuck yeah. i'm like dude just test drive something yeah to figure it out yeah. and then you can kind of change directions and figure it out mm-hmm. because that's a just floundering you can flounder to your 35 yeah or forever <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Totally. uh so you ended up uh but how we got acquainted is that you have a business here um, that you started called Revitalize. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm a huge proponent of it. Tell tell the viewers a little yeah, bit so about that. Yeah, so we were that. looking to get back to America. We were in the Dominican Republic. I wanted to get back into the business world. Uh, had had the the fortunate, um, yeah, I was just fortunate to to work alongside of and meet some people that were doing business in a way that I felt what like was more holistic. They okay. were living kind of undivided lives where where like kind of what they were saying they valued everything was informed by kind of their values where it wasn't just like, yeah, they're going to be super rich, but they're unhealthy. They have terrible relationships with their kids. Like I'm seeing men and women who are running organizations who are doing it in a way that I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I could see myself back in the business world, started getting really fired up about that, had a couple side hustle businesses. So just kind of had my hand in the game there. Um, and my father-in-law actually had a weight loss concept in his spine clinic in Cleveland that my mom had gone through really, okay. really successfully. Um, I ended up getting my board certification in nutrition and um, was talking to my father-in-law about, hey, is there a possibility of taking that model mm -hmm. and taking it to a bigger, bigger market? And frankly, I just don't want to move back to cold Cleveland after living in the Caribbean for five years. And <laughs> yeah. so we started Revitalize in 2017. And uh, yeah, I've just been really blessed with the growth and, and what we've seen. And we're just impacting a lot of lives here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, just so you know, like I went through Revitalize mm -hmm. and for those of you guys, they, you guys are bigger in intermittent, intermittent fasting. And it's a very holistic model of looking at your food, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's a food list that you kind of go through. And um, my, Sarah and I went through it together and I actually dropped 25 pounds. I was like, very Dude, pretty yeah, shredded, pretty shredded, yeah. baby. Yeah. I haven't been able to see my abs since before <laughs> COVID. And now, and now I can see four at least. I love it. I'm gonna, clip, I'm gonna clip that and use it as a testimonial <laughs> on the website. I've not do. been able to see my abs. <laughs> yes, I've been able to see my toes. Since, I, yeah, uh, <laughs> I know. I've got the sugar diabetes. And now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been it, yeah. We're we're kind of multidisciplinary in that, like, we take what I would say is the best of keto, but without the high inflammatory, high saturated fat element. The best of intermittent fasting and figuring out what works for the individual. Mm -hmm. And every program is customized. Their food list is customized with our technology. To, I think for a lot of people, they want to know like, okay, like, should I be eating the same foods and taking the same supplements as like a postmenopausal woman? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. But every, it seems like every program is like, here's the generic list. Yeah. Here's the generic list of supplements you should take. And so our technology removes some of that guesswork. And yeah, it was like when I went into the 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 first orientation, you do you put your hand on a sensory sen some. It's called a galvanic skin response. Thank you. Please. Yep. What's right. the technical word? Whatever. Yeah, that is. it measures uh, electrodermal activity. And can, okay. And, can and it gave me that. a whole list of the foods yep. I should eat. And half the foods I have been eating, I shouldn't eat. You're like, hey, let's chill out on those for a little bit. Let's rank these other ones up yep. a little bit higher. Yep. And uh, then uh, make sure that you're doing the intermittent fasting. Why is the why is intermittent fasting such a valuable thing? Well, I mean, from a, just a sheer calorie standpoint, which we're not big on calorie counting, like you're just restricting your eating window. So naturally you're likely to, to consume, okay. consume, over consume um, calories. But there's a lot of like other benefits from an anti-aging or like cellular health. So your body starts to get rid of like unnecessary things like it's called autophagy. So basically the body starts to clean its own cells mm -hmm. um, from a digestive standpoint and hormone regulation. There's a lot of benefits from intermittent oh, fasting. because. I've been starting to do a lot of research on the fasting. So I started doing the, when I first started intermittent fasting, doing the 16 hours of not eating was like, whew, it was mm. tough. Well, yeah, with the blood sugar issues too, like that can. Yeah, so yeah. I'm a diabetic, so I have a, and I have an insulin pump, so I had to get that regulated, but that took a week. But then once I got there, it's mm -hmm. like, all right, just getting your body used to it. And now I've probably been doing it for six, eight months. And I'm that's, 
I don't even want to start eating until my window begins. Yeah. And now I've been even trying to extend it saying, so now I'm going on a, like, like once a week, I'll do a 24 hour and then I've, I've done a 40 hour and I'm trying to work up to a 72 hour. Mm-hmm. And I've like done, seen some research on it that it really helps cancer prevention and all so of that's that. that autophagy. So like your body will naturally start to, to eliminate and get rid of things that it doesn't need, you know, cells that are not doing what they need to do, dead cells. So is it like your body thinks that's in starvation or you think it's okay. Food's not coming in a while. Your body just gets, I don't think it's starvation as much as your body just gets super efficient where it's saying like, Hey, if we're not getting fuel, we have to go to other things for fuel sources. Okay. So, so do you recommend people do that periodically or is that, I think there's some benefits even of just adding an extra couple hours to your quote fast from sleep. So like Mm -hmm. if you wake up and you always eat breakfast at eight, try extending to like, 10 or 11 yeah you're gonna see some benefits yeah it's interesting i was reading this book about like for so long in our culture it's a breakfast is the most important meal today and it maybe not informed informed by a lot of the marketers who were sitting in the dairy farm big cereal companies (laughs) (laughs) i know i mean as my kids i I, you know how much cereal our family goes through oh yeah i mean i got how i got well nine kids how many Teen, I got five teen boys. I go oh, yeah. through like four boxes a day. Yeah, I'm not yeah. surprised. And because because yep. breakfast is the most important meal of the day, yeah. right? And cereal is just so good. <laughs> it is so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Breakfast can be important. I mean, it just depends on your activity levels. Like sure. I'm breakfast probably three day, three four days a week, and then I'm fasting on those other couple days. So you you've ended up coming in kind of a little bit more balanced. You could live a normal life. And that's the point of the program is like w- figuring out what works for you, what works for your body mm-hmm. so that you don't have to fear food. And you can say, OK, these are the tools I'm going to use maybe all the time, maybe some of the times and kind of understand what works for you. And you get to a point where you've removed toxicity, you've removed inflammation. So you're pretty sensitive and you can feel like I think I should eat right now. Yeah. Like and you can be a little bit more intuitive with it. And so you're yeah. And you're like a guy who's like very knowledgeable in nutrition and you've written a book on it. I mean, I want to talk one, like how in the heck did you write a book? That's like, Mm. I have all the dreams and you already have accomplished the dreams that I want to do. So thanks for that. But you're all into holistic health. And then now you have in this huge, within our culture, this huge onslaught of the semi-glutides. How, what's your view on that? Yeah, I mean, you can't really ignore the buzz around these sure. semaglutides. So semaglutide is a peptide um, under the name Ozempic is probably the most popular that everybody hears about. Um, it's been around for a long time. Diabetics have been being prescribed this for probably 10 years. Okay. Um, they found that it's really effective for weight loss. In short, because it makes you feel full uh, and it slows down your digestive system. Um, so there's some benefits where you just don't eat as much. So it's an appetite suppressing compound that, that allows you to to just take the shot and you don't eat as much and then you lose weight. There are certainly some downsides to it. Um, one being you're losing a lot of lean muscle mass is what they're finding. It's not as much fat. So it can be some, some studies show that it's 40% muscle mass, others that it's 60% muscle mass, but you're losing a disproportionate amount of muscle mass compared to just traditional dieting. Um, so that's concerning. Then there's some other side effects long-term and short-term that they're starting to see that that could be, you know, avoid you might want to avoid what we're finding is that you can get just as good a results within a probably a shorter amount of time with a program like ours i think it's a it's not the full solution my my take on is you're not going to inject your way to a healthy diet or Mm -hmm. out of an unhealthy diet and if you ever have hopes of coming off this medication which most folks do 
the weight comes back on when you mm -hmm. stop unless you've learned how to eat what foods are best for you and taken into account other lifestyle changes that are needed to keep that weight off yeah yeah like i i mean there's people at the at the gyms that we have and you're like noticing that they're just dropping weight like radically and they're mm -hmm. on the shot but then they are their lifestyle has not changed at all right. and it just rebounds back up right the fda also has a pretty sketchy track record of these weight loss drugs over the last 10 15 years where you know you look look at the seven or eight big weight loss phenomenon drugs that have come out not many of them are on the on the market anymore because over time the fda is like actually this isn't very healthy for you to do <laughs> so we'll see i think time will tell uh we're already seeing in our clinics people who have like they've stopped it they've regained the weight or okay. they they go back to it and the second round it's not as effective mm -hmm. and so they're like shoot like the magic pill the magic shot isn't really the full solution okay yeah i mean so the kind of your sense jury still out but your program you'll still support it yeah yep yep so we have a lot of folks who yeah we we see ourselves as a bridge to bringing in that lifestyle component understanding what foods are best for you and supporting you yeah. while you're on medication like that and helping you come off of it and not regain the weight yeah what like the one of the best things i learned from you is like that 80 20 rule and it's not rocket science but like do the right things 80 percent of the time and it helps me because I'm like a super regimented, disciplined person and I can just go, go, go. But one, it's not realistic for my family. Mm -hmm. Like, God forbid you guys all want to go out to dinner together, go on right. a date and have a steak and have a few beers. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, all right, now I it's Christmas cookie season. Yeah. And yeah. I've just got to get a few cookies yeah. in my life. You yeah. know, that's about 20 percent. Yep. Um, but if 80% is solid, yep. then I'm going to be all right. Yeah. And just knowing like, what are those anchors that you're going to stick to? So like, even in this season, like, yeah, we had Christmas cookies and there's pizza last night at our Bible study thing. And it's like, okay, I know I had a big salad that day. i had a big salad with dinner. So I'm still going to enjoy these things, but like getting my veggies in and they get hitting my hydration goal, my protein goal every day are like my little anchor points. Mm -hmm. And then there's seasons where I, yeah, you let loose a little bit and you try not to stack it. So if I'm going to have Christmas cookies tonight, I'm going to eat a, I'm not going to go eat a big that like burrito the next yeah, morning i'm gonna yeah. like try not to stack two losses for sure yeah but, okay yeah, yeah that's good and so as you guys were kind of launching uh revitalize you launched a book at the same time like actually, a couple years in actually okay yeah, so a lot of i think a lot of times it's like oh let's launch the book and we'll build a business around yeah, it. we exactly. already had a very successful practice and the idea was like how do we we're not you know, we're premium priced, uh, sure. our coaching packages, um, it's a very robust program, but how do we get, you know, the basic tenets of our approach to the most people and scale okay. our impact that way. And so that's where, what's Dr. it like? It was a grind, man. It yeah. was because usually like, like for me, I'm like, how do you get into that grind of just, all right, I'm going to write like 30 pages today. So we actually, and it was even more difficult with um, my partner, Dr. Abood. Okay. So you have two voices here. Okay. Um, we actually hired a professional writer to essentially help us write it. Um, okay. So she didn't write it. These are all our words, but she, we interviewed, we like basically got on a recorded Zoom call for months, like every week for months. And we transcribed all of, so we outlined the book of what the topics, then we just, she basically interviewed us, mm -hmm. pulled all this information out of us, transcribed it all. And then we put that in the book. Well, now it just looks like a bunch of transcriptions. So then she went in with us and helped us like, okay, we need to reword this with this way because Dan, you just talked for five minutes and this is one giant run on sentence. Let's like <laughs> rewrite, like let's make you not sound like a fool. Um, and then really helped us both put our, so it sounds like one voice, even though we both wrote it. And so she helped with that. And so that was really, I think a hack. So you, in theory, you could take a lot of the podcast interviews or you could just transcribe your thoughts and then start 
kind of cutting and pasting and moving it around and get a 80% of the way there of a manuscript and then okay. go and go to somebody who actually knows. Do you sell, like I've seen like self-publishing, did you go traditional publishing? How did you guys go about doing that? So we have a publisher, but the 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 arrangement we have with them is we own all the royalties. Okay. So they helped us bring it to market. Um, and so we paid them on the front end mm -hmm. for us to have all the royalties on the back end versus them paying us and then they keep all the royalties downstream. Okay. Yep. So re like for a revenue stream kind of from your, like a pie chart, would this be like a, a heavy hitter for you guys or a more just kind of auxiliary? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a credibility build, builder. Okay. Um, yeah, from a financial perspective, it doesn't really move the needle too much for us. Um, given the size of our business, but, um, it's, you know, it's a credibility builder and it's yeah. a, you know, a very expensive, uh, uh, business card. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, hello. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I wrote a book. <laughs> I know. Like, uh, like yeah. I haven't written a book and I have like nine books in my head that I want to do. What are, what are the top three? Uh, top three. Um, one is the passion project is I want to tell short stories that are encouraging, like a short little devotional, kind of like have you read Love Does? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got like a Bob Goff. Yeah, like like these ridiculous things that happen. What? Yeah. Well, to invite him over. Yeah, we'll bring. Let's get Bob on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Bob, if you're listening, I want you here. Also, Marriage Hack uh, is read that book at, together out oh, loud. Oh, it's so great. So great. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually one of the first um, books I think Sarah and I did together. And we did it as a small group thereafter. They're so funny, quick, and super inspiring little stories at yeah, the end. So good. I love that. All right, so Love Does Top Style. Uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, probably helping unleash your purpose. So turn this whole kind of concept into a book about helping, especially for me, what I feel uniquely passionate about is helping like millennials, Gen Z, um, figure out their purpose and to take action. I think so much of society currently right now is so um, young people are so scared and timid and um, not just addicted to this, but this has become their security blanket mm. that they really, it is, I mean, the jury's out this of what's going to happen. Is phone, here, technology, yeah. mm. um, they never like even dating, like mm. how they even communicate. You'll just they'll be texting each other's and DMing and then all of a sudden they'll ghost the person and that's how they break up. They're so mm. conflict adverse, they won't have difficult conversations mm. that it's very, very um, difficult for these young people to, to kind of- through life. Yeah. We, we, we found in our business, one of the best things we've done is at like when you, on our new staff training is we have a full like accountability, how to have hard conversations okay. training for all of our staff and they're like, this blew my mind. They're like, this, what, this is, is, what like, is it like? It's like, it's like, okay, how do you have a hard conversation? Is it and, hard conversation with a client and with it, another? We do it with like, we're, we're training, we're, we're training on the frameworks. And then we actually, part of their homework is like, what's a hard conversation yeah. you're putting off in your life. And usually it's with my boyfriend mm -hmm. about the amount he's drinking or my roommate and they don't clean up blah, blah, blah. And then the homework is like, okay, you're going to use this framework that yeah. we're teaching you to go have these conversations. And it's, it's amazing. And like, people are like, why was I never taught this? You know, I've got young 20 somethings coming out and be like, this is like human school. Like, why was I never taught this? Yeah. It's these human skills. It's like not even just social skills, but just human skills that people mm -hmm. need to learn. Like, yeah. Just be able to like sometimes it's just like hey this is i was talking to my one son yesterday having a hard conversation and they i'm like hey buddy this is this is gonna be a little bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. uh, but hey you're not in trouble okay mm -hmm. or like hey can i talk to you and i even with um one of our our nanny and it's like hey can i t hey, do you mind if we uh, talk to you am i in trouble I'm like no right, right but it's like 
just teaching these skills mm-hmm. for a 30 mm-hmm. something year old yep. to be able to have it. Totally. So in that framework, is it like address, like to me, to have the hard conversations always to first like talk about the elephant in the room. Hey, this may not be an easy conversation or this may be a little bit uncomfortable or, mm-hmm. hey, I'm actually a little uncomfortable sharing this with you, mm-hmm. but I just got to share something from my heart. Yeah. What's your guys' framework on how to I do mean, that? Our, that? That's right on. I mean, I think that we say like 80% of the work happens before you ever have the conversation. Yeah. So like thinking through like what is really at the root of if I'm, you know, with the nanny, if it's this or that thing is like, is it really that thing or is there something deeper or mm-hmm. unbundling? A lot of times it's a lot of things and you have to spend some time thinking about like what let me unbundle all of the things I'm frustrated with to get to the root issue. And it's like, it's not that you didn't load the thing the right way or you didn't clean up this. It's that I've asked you this multiple times and it doesn't seem like, yeah. is, is there something that I'm doing that's not communicating right? So it's really trying to like set yourself up for success before you even go into that conversation. And then kind of what you just mentioned is like, how do you maintain a level of safety, set a tone of safety yeah. that's not punishment first tone because right. everybody immediately their the fight or flight goes on mm-hmm. especially with like traumatized kids yep. like they're immediately going to think i'm in trouble and then their brain just starts to shut down so how can you get into that conversation keep safety if things start to devolve into a place where it's it's getting messy how do you kind of step back and mm-hmm. reestablish safety to be like oh i think what i'm not saying is that you're in trouble what i am saying is that sometimes when you don't do this or you do that it makes me feel this way or I feel disrespected or, or what have you like to being able to see that the conversation is not going where it is and be able to pull back and reestablish safety is a big, a big piece. Yeah. So for when, you, when you're thinking the word safety, you're kind of thinking, Hey, to make sure this person is not feeling so dysregulated, feeling uncomfortable. Cause a lot of times when you're having a hard conversation, the person delivering it is equally as anxious totally, and charged up. Oh yeah. So you have to like be pull yourself back. Like mm-hmm. I love the Jocko, one of his Jocko's books, he has this whole lesson on detachment. Mm-hmm. So you have to detach from mm-hmm. the situation, like remove yourself fully, like almost like you're watching from there, mm-hmm. like from a, a far away and you're looking down on it. So you picture yourself like having that conversation mm-hmm. because you're not so like when my emotions are connected to it, yeah. I'm an ass. Yeah, totally. I, if you're not, I, I don't handle it with grace. I'm not clear because I'm in my feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of saying when you're talking to your staff, it's having moments of prepare, mm-hmm. address the elephant in the room pretty quickly. Yeah, I think because yeah. it, like if you try to be like, hey, so how's your day? And oh, it's like yeah. they're just thinking in the back of their mind, like, why is he in my office? Yeah. What's going on? Like he never comes and talks to me or like something's up. Like you just get in and be like, hey, I would love to, to chat. Here's what I love to chat about. It's not, you know, nothing's crazy, but like there's something that I want to address. Yeah. Can I give or, you some feedback on this? Yeah, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And you have yeah. to be calm for that. And I think the only way it works is, is if you have a, what makes it the most effective, I would say, is that you have to, the leader in that space has to have um be have some semblance of relationship like when you're talking about safety like if i never talk to this like i have an accounting team so i have like four or five people on the accounting team i don't naturally talk to the Mm -hmm. accountants very much like i'm the big personality ceo in the office they're naturally pretty timid so they're always pretty intimidated by me how and i i don't ever want that Mm -hmm. so i have to intentionally try to go in there, make conversations, mm-hmm. be relational. Yeah. So if there was ever a time to have a difficult conversation, it's not like, a, well, he only talks to me when he's mad or anytime that yeah. he does talk to me, it's something I'm in trouble. Yeah. Like, have you built that relational trust that they yeah. know your heart and totally. Yes. 
And then understanding what we call it like CPR, which I think might have been from the book, crucial conversations or crucial accountability. But it's like, is this content related? Is this like a one off thing where it's like, hey, you didn't pick up your room after I asked? Mm-hmm. Or is it a, becoming a pattern? So P. So it's like, hey, I've asked like it seems like I'm asking every week for this your room to be cleaned up because it really stresses mom out. And it seems like there's a pattern like is it just because you're forgetting like what, what let's let's get to the root together of why mm-hmm. this isn't happening because ultimately it gets to a point of where the relationship is starting to suffer so that's the r part of it where it's like okay we've talked about this multiple times it's been been a pattern now i just not sure if i can trust you anymore because there's this pattern of like you continue to not you, you know not do this so like that's so good so now it's really affecting our relationship because like i want to be able to give you more responsibilities or ask you to do other stuff uh with us as a family or be part of this family but it it doesn't seem like you're able to do that and i'm not sure i can trust you to you know fill in the blank and so yeah. there's like that's a helpful framework my wife built a whole training about it she like she gets asked to speak on it and train churches and organizations yeah. and stuff so but you you've taught it enough that you claim it as your own oh yeah totally. yeah <laughs> totally totally yeah yeah but no this is like probably one of the most critical human th- the skills that as business owners and leaders that we have to do is mm-hmm. train in these human skills to have hard conversations um to be able to ha- be empathetic it mm-hmm. sounds like in this cpr is like you're even if you're not super comfortable but it's building that trust and that relationship together because what's going to derail you from unleashing your purpose is like especially when you're young you get into something you're so excited about you got the rosy colored glasses and then all of a sudden it's hard yeah or there's somebody in you know in your work or in your life that's making it more difficult Mm -hmm. and have a tool set to be able to navigate that not bail so you don't just ghost your purpose right and be like oh well you know because i've seen that all the time it's like i've got people in my life where it's like they got a new thing every year where they're like all about this and then oh well my boss you know whatever or the this thing and they just let these other things kind of derail them and then mm-hmm. they're just being blown by the wind it seems like that's so good as you keep you said unleash your purpose i was like as i've been kind of going through this and having these conversations like when i think about purpose there's like sometimes there's these moments that are hyper focused of like hey i'm called to this thing but there's also this thing generally in life that I have this this general vision for my life, mm-hmm. this kind of direction. Where do you kind of land on that? When you think of Dan, think of your, how does business, family, faith, all of that kind of come together. And when you mm-hmm. think of purpose and what is significant for that. Yeah, and this is something I think I've, I've thought a lot about and mapped out uh, and I think the common theme for me is that there is no common theme. Like I've tried to be a professional athlete unsuccessfully, Uh, but we got closer, (laughs) close-ish, an author, a business owner, a nonprofit leader. Um, And so I think, you know, I've sold crab cakes at one point in my life. Like there's just a lot of things trying to figure it out. And I think what I've realized for me at least is that there's not this one thing. I think there's this, like the purpose is like, how do I be a blessing to others? How can I be Mm -hmm. a force for, helping humans flourish and I could do that you know as a janitor I could do that as a business leader like I think it takes a little bit of imagination and awakening your imagination because I think there's a lot of particularly young people who think like oh my purpose has to be this thing I'm so so passionate about it's like well I also think you can learn how to bring your passion Mm -hmm. to whatever it is that you're doing yeah and um to kind of broaden their ideas of you know somebody's idea about what is purpose what is passion it's like well you can you know you can find ways to apply that in a variety of situations because you know, it hasn't really been until the last however many years that we've even have the privilege to even be thinking about this exactly like, but people were happier probably you know yeah. beans like but it's like yeah my 
four generations of bread makers and guess what I'm going to be doing? Because our little town needs another bread maker. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a bread maker and then figure out a way to be passionate about that and bring, you know find purpose in that even though they need yeah, to Yeah, and it's like choices. almost like I'm almost coming to terms with like sometimes purpose is it can be um, synonymous with contentment. Mm. Like not just contentment like just for yourself. I am just fine being mediocre. But in the hustle, I always was like big and like, you got to hustle. You oh, got to yeah. grind. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I did my dissertation on grit and mm-hmm. continue to push through hard things no matter what. And I'm a pusher. Mm-hmm. But there is this other side of the coin of finding like grace in mm-hmm. being content in your circumstances, embracing what's in front of you, the being present to the right now versus mm-hmm. always wishing for the next. Yeah, I, well, when you figure that out, I would love to know because I'm because I, like when I, I started seeing a counselor a number of years ago, it's been amazing mm-hmm. to just help me have more emotional resiliency and you know emotional language to be a better husband and father and all of the fun things, better leader. But my biggest concern going to a counselor was like, yes, I want con- more contentment. Yeah, but I also don't want to be complacent. And so, well, like, how good. can I like be? content with where I'm at and with the station that God has me and just being like, and I haven't figured it out yet, but being, but, but I still want to push. I still want to have resiliency and endurance and perseverance. And I want to have goals and I want to pursue those things. Cause it's, that's part of the fun, but like, I want to do it with a spirit. That's just like, I'm here for the ride. Yeah. And when I, the best I can think of is when I was trying to be a professional athlete and I was playing rugby at the highest level I could, there were just these times where it was like I could play rugby in a way that was like, I just felt like I was expressing myself on the field. That sounds a little woo woo, but I just felt like I was in the flow Yeah, and I was just doing what I was designed to do. And then there was other times where it was like, I was so anxious about performing and beating somebody else out for a spot or it just, and it just wasn't fun anymore. It's like, how do I unlock those times where it was like, the stakes are low. You're new on this team. They don't know you. There's only one place to go, which is up. And I could just play my freest, Freest, freest rugby. Do you feel like you, when you got in your head when you're playing professional rugby, is it when you were like at an elite level and you had to hold your position and you mm-hmm. then it was always like looking over your shoulder and like yep. I need to sustain it and it was like the comparison is the thief of joy kind mm-hmm. of thing? Yeah, it was like my first game and my last game for this team in Scotland were my best games because the first game, they don't know me. They just mm-hmm. think I'm some Yankee who doesn't know how to play rugby and then I'm just out there Playing. dominating yeah and then the last game it's like i'm moving back to america in two weeks like i'm never gonna see these guys again so whatever and i just played out of my mind and so that, like that and that, as i was looking back like that was kind of true of like all the teams i've ever played for and it's like but once you win that starting spot there's like this pressure to perform or yeah. like and it's like the it's just and it's all head trash all it's all it. head trash yeah and it's like how anything even in business especially mm-hmm. like there's always like okay i get to this level of oh wow there's not many people at 500 employees. Oh, wow. We're at 25 million. We're at 30 million. Like, oh, yep. wow. I'm looking pretty big. But no, then there's the bigger guy next to me. And it's always like, well, oh, wait. Totally. And it's just constantly yep. the comparison, yep. man. Yeah. Like if my 25-year-old self was talking to my 37-year-old self, he'd like, be like, are you kidding, dude? You got the best life in the world. <laughs> yeah, you got totally. a beautiful wife, yeah. a great house. Totally. You know I mean? You're yep. happy. You do mm-hmm. all the things. But, yep. it, but there's always a there's this relentless. And I... And I like it. There's this hunger and this tenacity and this relentless pursuit for for more, mm-hmm. not for more of just for sake, but maybe I'm just always like a little bit hungry. And maybe that's like the athlete or the high D and like my disc assessment mm-hmm. or whatever it is. But I'm like, then there has to be this flex where I'm like, all right, 
I got to be content in what I got to. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be like contentment also can feel like lazy. Totally. And yeah. I'm like, dude, I can't. And I just think that's a dirty word. Lazy. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Like I, that feels dirty and late and like, that's part of my own therapy. I'm like, I always used to, my therapist knew that that was like a big part mm. for me as like, yeah. I had this dirty word that I can't do that. Mm. So maybe now I'm trying to force myself to embrace the contentment that I don't have to be busy all the time yep. Yep. and doing the next thing. Yep. Yeah. I think about like when I was in the Dominican, we stayed, we were in there, we were in the Domin- Dominican Republic for five years. About year three, I had a pretty clear, like, I wanted to be back in the business world. I had, I was mm. excited. I felt like God was calling me back to the business world. Danae was running our school, you know, 80 staff members, 400 kids. And uh, she's like, I just don't feel like it's, I don't feel like the work's done yet. And I, and I submitted to that. I'm like, you know what? I think you're right. Like, I'm, I'm just anxious to get, to get going and get restarted. Um, but there was this like two year period where I feel like I missed out. Like looking Mm. back, I was so, I was, then I was like trying to network and work with people in the States and do all the stuff. And I just missed out on those opportunities, like go play with my little high school kids basketball after school, because I was like moonlighting for this other organization in the States that, you know, maybe could, would hire me after we moved back. And I was just so on the the next, yeah. Onto the next mind was on the next. I got to set myself. I got to hustle. I got to grind. Um, and I just, I just missed these beautiful moments of living in paradise um, you know, with wonderful people. And, uh, there was about 24 months where I'm just like, dude, I, I, there, I left a lot on the table because mm-hmm. I was so worried about what's next. And I think if I could talk to myself then, or if God yeah. were talking to me, he'd be like, dude, you, it's all going to work out. Like, just, I put you here for a purpose right now. Just enjoy it. Yeah. It's uh, like, I don't know how to figure that out. Mm-hmm. I'm about to be 40. And I feel like I, up to this point, I usually would go through a new job. I was like a three to five year guy. Mm-hmm. Pretty typical. I think. Yeah. Yep. And with my main company, Ohana, like it, we're on not year nine. And then now it's taken new iterations and I've gotten to do other things. And I've started to figure out like, okay, I'm creative. I like to do produce that part. So mm-hmm. as long as I can express that in a different way, mm-hmm. then I'm then I'm good. Yeah. Um, but I'm always like, like I have been a serial entrepreneur and I think I've always been had this indigestion of the newness mm. and mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a blood sucker. That is one of the best things about entrepreneurship though, is like, if you're trying to find your purpose, like entrepreneurship and having your own business is like the best laboratory for get, yeah. to try, you know, if you have a job and you're like, oh, I think I might be more creative. It's like, well, your boss just wants you to do what they, you know, what your role is. Yeah. I'm not a W2 guy. Yeah. And so I think no. if you, if you have the stomach for it, uh, it's definitely, I think, better. So what's next? Like I, you're in this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really seeing where this goes, continue to see where this goes. I don't know, you know, a mentor of mine is like, is this the book you're writing? Before we wrote the book. But is this, is Revitalize the book you're writing with your career or is this just a chapter? And hmm. I think I think it's probably a chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see myself being involved in other other endeavors down the road but yeah we'll see you kind of you squeeze the juice out of it you're doing a lot of good with people and then kind of see what's yeah there are definitely days where it's hard and you're like you're like man i could see myself not doing this but then when you really think about it or you have opportunities you talk to somebody who's interested in buying a business or something like that we've entertained a few of those conversations lightly over the years um and then you're like you start to think you're like but this is like a huge part of my life like i wouldn't Mm -hmm. get to go in and see like my friends at work, like they yeah. wouldn't be there anymore. And like, as much as you think that they'd still be your friends, like they, you know, yeah. Like I had a private equity team 
private equity firm come to us a couple of years back and I was like, huh, interesting. Wow, that's a big number. But then I'm like, what would I do? Mm. This is mm-hmm. my this is my life, yeah. my ministry. But yeah. like some other parts, other businesses, I'm like, hey, yeah, come on over. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally, totally. I, I am available. Yeah, and it's like, what are you optimizing for? Like, so yeah, it's easy to just be like, oh man, the grind of the day. I'm just I'm just tired. Like, I just love to just have something else, something different. But that would have its own issues. Yeah, and it's like, what am I optimizing for? Am I optimizing for just a number in the bank account, or like going back to why I got back into the business world to begin with, which was like, how do we create workplaces that are actually transformational and not like you know, most workplaces are, you know, max extraction formulas where it's like right. the employee shows up saying, how do I get the most out of them? And the employer says, how do I pay them the least and get the most out of them? Mm-hmm. How do we like make it into max contribution relationship yeah. where it's like, we're just trying to outgive each other employees and employers. And I don't think I've, I don't think I've unlocked that yet. Like I, so I think there's still work to be done. Yeah. Yeah. You have a, we both have a good amount of employees complicated businesses, marketing, sales. What would you say, and I'll share my thoughts too, the hardest change you've seen in business in the last like five years? Because I feel like it's different. Yeah, it definitely and feels different. The last post-COVID, the sluggish economy, workforce, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if I'm just, it's sometimes more tiring and things aren't as easy, but like, it, is How many years into this are you? With Ohana? Mm-hmm. Eight. Eight. Yeah. So I'm, we're in year seven. Okay. I just, I kind of think I go back to sports. Like sports have this beautiful, like you have an off season mm. where you're recovering, you're reskilling. And I feel like in, at least in my business, that doesn't feel like there's an off season. It just feels like the work just continues to come at you all the time. And I know my employees feel that. I feel that. And so it's like, I don't know. I haven't figured it out, but like, how do you build in more rhythms of rest into and maybe you just say hey we're going to shut down for a week and just not make money mm-hmm. but knowing long term it keeps people engaged but um i so i think that i don't know if that's like has work changed or if just like my energy over the last seven years has just you know mm-hmm. gotten yeah, i'm just not as young as i was or whatever i don't know if there's something yeah. in that like there are one of the biggest i think one of the best things we've done for our staff and staff engagement this year is we experiment that four day work week. Hmm. Um, it was very well, um, we asked people like uh, better benefits, but I kept reading all these different studies from Europe and here saying, hey, productivity didn't go down. Hmm. So we said, all right, over the summer, we'll do a four day work week. We did four nine. So we gave people four bonus hours. So you gotta get your workload done in 36 hours. So you get a three day weekend. I mean, I'm paying you for 40 mm-hmm. and I'm, but you only gotta work 36. And what we found is like, if we took this away, and that was the risk. Right. If we went back to the fives, five eights, yeah. they would revolt because right. they love it. They love like having a little bit more margin to take a totally take a breath. Um, it feels like it, when we don't necessarily have the resources to give big, huge raises, this is a tangible thing, and we haven't seen the productivity go down. So, mm. for me, it's like maybe it's this tension that we're watching with like we have to learn how to compete in the workplace now and that's been a very effective tool mm-hmm. and i liked it i've yeah. i've been pretty fearful because i'm like the hustler what are we gonna do on fridays mm. no i'm gonna i'm gonna do this yeah i'm gonna film a podcast i'm gonna yeah. enjoy myself i'm gonna go on a date with my wife mm. and that's so cool yeah it's like 
I think that's a big change. I think a lot more employers are doing that type of stuff or allowing people to work from home. We're more of a retail style business where it's like we're open six days a week. We have people clients or members coming in for check-ins. And so we have to have that availability to, to mm-hmm. serve, you know, our, our customers, if you will. Um, and so it's like, I'm like, I don't know how that would even work for us, but I think we're, we're now competing with like, well, my sister gets paid 35 an hour and she works at home or like, you know, there's these yeah. things where it's like, uh, okay. I, yeah. Okay. I, I like we, you know, that's not what we do. All right. And it's just yeah. hard. So I think there's, we're, we're having to think through like, what does the next five years look like for us from that standpoint? Like, can we still serve people in person, but also more virtually and things like that, mm-hmm. that, that would allow for our yeah, employees like, to. Yeah. And that's what kind of, kind of makes like business is my sport. It's like, you're always kind of tinkering mm. and changing up things and mm-hmm. seeing what works. And that's what keeps me at least engaged. Cause I need the, if it just gets mundane, then the creativity mm-hmm. stops. And I'm just like, Oh, this totally. is, I'm dying here. Yeah. Well, and I think also too, like just in the game of business, like you, you're building your thing and it's like, it's amazing. And seeing the growth is amazing and adding people to the team is amazing. But then there's like a little bit of added stress of like, well, now the nut that I have to crack, like the amount of money that goes out every month, mm-hmm. whether the revenue comes in or not, like it's going out, right? Yeah. Like, so I've got to make payroll. So if you have a couple down months, like there's just those where it's like when it was just me, Dr. Bood, my wife and employee number one. Yeah. It was, you know, we were just hustling yeah. and we we're, you know, margins were, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's yeah. just the game has changed a little bit and I'm just maturing as a business. Yeah. And yeah. you got to make sure that you like now I got 500 something employees and you're like, okay, payroll 700 grand this week for two weeks. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to make sure yeah. that you got the mm-hmm. nuts crack. Yeah. And then as, as the numbers get bigger, mm-hmm. I love taking risks, but the risks risks have to become more calculated. Yeah. So for me, we're looking at another big project and a big facility that would be very innovative. And as we're going out to the site and checking things out, I'm like, the nut on this to mm-hmm. to just cash flow is high and yeah. like the risk reward okay how long can i sustain those losses before we end up like luckily i have a, a decent enough business where we can look at these innovative things and carry a loss for a short time mm-hmm. but it comes more risky yeah honestly yeah it's like how do you take like non-fatal risks where it's yes. like if that fails it's not going to undermine the the mother shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of think back to that analogy of like those first games of on a rugby team. I could just be, it was like when we were starting up, it's like, we're nobody here. Like I, nobody knows us from Adam. So it's all just gravy. Like if we're winning like a new member, it's like, we're just high fiving. And now it's like, oh my gosh, like, well, if we don't see this number of people come in, like what's going to happen. And there's just like, it's like, we're afraid to lose it. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I slip into that head trash instead of being like, okay, how do I just play this? Like the game's already won, yeah. you know, it's yeah. all going to work out. That's so good. Yeah. Um, dude, this is so good. This is, we got in a whole different direction than I thought. Total riff. Yeah. Total when, you, riff. when are you going to write? What's the third book? Okay. That, okay. Oh, yeah. So um, my Love Does book, uh, my uh, Unleash Your Purpose, which I'm still kind of working through what the heck that even means. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the third one would be an What attack. better way to figure out than writing it? Like, ooh. Hmm. Ooh, nice challenge. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll have to think about that. And, and number three would be um, I developed a attachment trauma approach for working with kids in foster care. So mm-hmm. I would want to write a book on that approach. I buy we call it. it the Ohana approach. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. We train all our staff in it. Um, I think it's innovative, um, and would love to get it peer reviewed. So that's mm. like my psychologist brain. Yeah. So we're yeah. It just now is 
kind of taking those baby steps forward and yeah, yeah i mean you don't have i mean really this anything, took me you don't have anything on your plate really no i know like, 11 yeah. kids and exactly and nine, it's only kids, took me nine two, kids or 11 kids i have 11 kids 11 nine kids. live here so yeah and a grandchild so how do you keep it all the balls in here like what what would you say your purpose is and where do all these elements of your life fit into that uh of all the things i do yeah just like yeah I, I, I from think the outside i'm like dude this guy ryan has got He's got a flourishing business. He's got like, he's buying a little side hustle businesses. Mm -hmm. He's got 11 kids. Yeah. He's changing the world. Like he's got a happy family. Like, Yeah, I think for me, I've had to come to terms with, I want my life um, to be fully integrated. So it sounds like a really big life, but the people that I do life with, like the people I work with are my best friends mm -hmm. um, that are aunts and uncles to my kids. We're on mission together. We're like this extended family on mission together and to create this this family mm. that's all kind of working towards a common purpose. It's a very vulnerable place to be, is it not? Like to just be like, I feel like I, I shy away from that. And I like, like being like that integrated with like my staff or with yeah, other I, people in my life where it's just like, ah, like I'm very if I truly selective. let you in, you could hurt me, you know? Yeah, and I have been hurt. Right. Like there's been a couple that people way. that, um, yeah, I love very much and got hurt. Mm -hmm. So I honestly, through that has wounded me that I've now almost like a little more guarded. Mm. And I'm really, I have like circles, like spheres of circles of trust to people. And my inner circle of people who deeply know me mm -hmm. that I can be vulnerable with and real has gotten smaller through the years. And that's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Like the... So that circle is tighter and they, I think they're like my, the warriors that we do life to get day in, day out, vacation together. Um, and they help protect the outer, the outer rings. They, they're, those people are welcome in too, but just not as frequently, I mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. um, and like my purpose is like helping like redeem kids' stories. So mm -hmm. the kid, I'm coming more and more terms that my legacy, is the kids I'm called the disciple are in my home and I have to do that really well mm -hmm. and help them like mm -hmm. become great entrepreneurs, become men and women of God. Um, like I, my prayer, my prayer is that the next CEO of Ohana is my daughter, mm -hmm. first female CEO of Ohana. That'd be that's amazing. Cool. Yeah. That's you know, cool. and pray that over her and I mean, whatever she wants, but mm -hmm. like, those are the, those are the things. So like, I'm saying less to, I'm saying no to a lot more things now. There's this concept called the, like, we've heard about it. If you've read the Bible, like this idea of the birthright, mm. you know, it's like, you're the firstborn, mm -hmm. like these things are being passed down to you and this is your birthright. Um, and, but we operate typically here in, in the Western world as like a death, right? So basically like your parents die and then just hand you this box that you've never been exposed to of like yeah. assets or business that you don't know how to run. You don't know how to manage this stuff. And we do a pretty poor job, generally speaking of like inviting our kids at appropriate levels throughout their mm -hmm. childhood and adolescence into like understanding how the household works, how the business works, how our assets work. And my CFO, Mike, is he's in his 70s. And it's like he has kids in their 30s and 40s and they've got access to all the bank accounts. They know that if the if him and his wife died tomorrow, they know exactly how to take over his business, what they would do to what, what they would wind down, what they would keep going. Mm -hmm. Like they have a full game plan and they do an annual like review, like 
you know, board type review cool. every year. And I was just like, that's just so amazing. Cause like, yeah, I, I think if, if my parents pass away, I know they have a will and stuff, but like, I don't really know what they have. I don't know where the passwords are. Right. Like, I don't have, you know, or you, you, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, they're not educating their kids on financial stewardship. So if they just get handed all of these assets, mm-hmm. they don't know how to eat steward them well and uh, i think that's just beautiful to think through like yeah my daughter might run ohana so like that discipleship has to start early early yeah and now i'm unwinding some businesses right now and well as i'm unwinding i'm winding up other ideas Mm. and the number one idea honestly is a business that our family could do together Mm. that my kids can be involved in that they're helping do sales they have a call um a purpose that we have to work hard together yeah. i mean i've thought as simple as like hey we'll start a thrift store and the benefits go to ohana mm. or um a little online virtual thing i mean whatever yeah. but i need to teach them these skills mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like and this is discipleship this to me is like mentorship uh and training up your kids along the way totally because my kids like this is these are the skills they're going to need to know yeah and i'm like I even told Sarah, I'm like, hey, by junior year, we may just need to homeschool our kids. Um, and then the last two years, they're just going to do an apprenticeship. We'll get them through their basics, totally. but apprenticeship with me, mm-hmm. um, get them in the like the day in, day out of business life so they can kind of get reps That's why, like, in. like an intentional gap year would be like yeah. such a, such a not just a go and party your face off gap year, but like intentional gap year before yeah. college, like I think would have maybe I think I could have benefited from something, something like that. Yeah. I was reading this book, The Intentional Father. You're on my list Ooh, of people to buy it. That's for. good. Have you no, read it? Uh, Mark Patterson? Um, no, no, no. I read it. I don't uh, know. John Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. Super great. Good. He was talking about how he was like, what, why are some of these kids when he was in uh, college ministry, he's like, why are some of these young, young men and women like really adjusting well to being adult on their own and some aren't. And it's like the ones that were, he was like, they were all Mormon. And mm-hmm. so he was like, I got to talk to these Mormon leaders. Yep. I'm like, why is that? And it's because they have like curriculum they're doing every morning yep. through their high school. And, you know, so they're learning the doctrine, they're learning the Bible, their, their Bible and, and all of that. But then they also go on mission for two years yep. where they have this intentional like experience away from mom and dad. Mm-hmm. They're being poured into. And it's like, how do we reverse engineer that yeah. to, you know. That, that book honestly was helped me like so much of my life has been and as a business leader and as a dad, like accidental mm. versus intentional. Yeah. So it's a shifting my mindset and you have to shift your mindset from just accidentally floating through life to intentionally driving through it mm. from a ta- in- accidental to intentional. And when he was talking about those core values in that book. So now every single Sunday, our kids, we have family breakfast. We'll make, we'll make um, pancakes and whatever else. And we do one of our center's core values. We have a little thing printed off mm-hmm. and it's like, we have, centers have Ohana love. So what does it mean to have Ohana love? Okay, mm-hmm. it means we, in order for us to love others, we gotta make sure there's love in this, in, in this room mm-hmm. that we're not hitting each other and mocking each other. What does it mean mm-hmm. to, to share each other's burden? So we talk about each core value. So and I'm like, and that was a simple thing. And it was so awkward at first because they're like, <laughs> yeah, totally. And now they're like, that's not Ohana love. That's not yeah. Ohana love. I'm like, yes. Yeah. You know what? It can be awkward and cheesy, but that's yeah, all right. Because totally. then they're saying it. Yeah. Because and it's intentional. Like mm-hmm. it's just the stupid things that are not mm-hmm. stupid actually. Yeah. That are intentionally yeah, getting into good. your kids. And I'm like, that's a good book, man. Mm, that is a great book. Yeah. I have now we're going into a little bit of a rest season for a week or two, and I have like three books on tap, and I'm like, oh, so excited for that. What are they? 
Um, I knew you were gonna ask me that. One's on this extended mission, extended family on mission. Um, other one is uh, C.S. Lewis book. Which one? The short read about the devil. Screw tape letters. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't remember the other one. Okay. Oh, the one more. Fear no food. Huh? Fear no food. Fear no food. <laughs> I've read this book and I do endorse it. It's a number one bestseller on Amazon. Did you know that? Yeah. I hit it yeah. twice. I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have given myself a rating at least once and I've given it a five star. All right. My last question I always ask every guest before they come is this. Um, when you die, what do you want to be remembered for? Mm. I think I would like to be remembered for just how I loved my family well. It's good. Yeah. I think the rest of it, like when we come back to that kind of discipleship bit, it's like, you know, or like in our, the C12 group, it's like, what's your social impact? And it's like, I really do feel like what's my household. My household is my wife, my kids, my employees, like those mm-hmm. people that God's like asked me to care for, uh, and be a blessing to. I hope that I have done that, done that well. That's good. Yeah. Well, thanks man for coming on. Yeah. Thanks All for right, having we'll, me. Yeah. We'll do it again very soon. All right, guys, until next week, unleash your purpose to profit in business, faith, and life. See you then. Thanks for joining us for the Unleash Your Purpose podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review. We'll see you next week.